Dear Ann Landers, my husband Dear and I Abby, are in shock. I'm extremely upset. My son got married in Dear Ann Landers, I'm very happy to hear that his wife is working out. I've never seen a woman here at She thinks way too much of herself. She had to get married. Dear Pod. a homeless man today um i was walking jenny and there's a homeless man kind of like in one of those i don't know if you remember like the janet jackson early videos when she always had like a crazy homeless person like get out of here kids (laughs) (laughs) but that was kind of like a night it wasn't just janet jackson that was a 1980s thing they're like and then a crazy homeless man says something wacky and then you vault into action right and then two cops start spinning around doing a pirouette and then a split you want an escapade? Here Let's we go! go! And then the homeless guy is instantly like, I'm in! And he's he knows like, all the choreography. Yeah. He rips off his jacket. He's got like a 12-pack. And he's got like a size 10 dick. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Wow. Well, wow. fill my throat up. <laughs> so I'm walking I'm walking Jenny, and I realize that it's not just a homeless person crossing the street. It is a homeless person escaping to police officers. I'm oh, like, nice. You could have been, you know, helped the cops out and just put a foot out and tripped him. Well, I'm, I'm thinking, like, because he's kind of, like, zigzagging mm. from the far corner, like, toward, I'm like, am I, Jenny, are we going? Was he going, we- you're not, you can't catch me, you can't yeah. catch me. I couldn't tell if he was angling towards me yeah. or if he was going to zigzag another way or if he's just going to zig a zig ah. I don't know. <laughs> so You can't arrest someone for zig a zig high. He's like, yeah, who's like, you want to you want to come for me? You want to come for me? As he's saying this, of course, he's like backing up. So it's like, well, if you want to fight someone, you don't actually invite way. Them. Yeah. And yeah. you don't like, okay, I'm a, yeah, come fight me. And then he starts running down the street. <laughs> So the guys are like putting on the rubber gloves and these two guys couldn't like couldn't run if the good humor truck was for free. <laughs> oh god. Wait, <laughs> like, these are the cops you're talking yeah. about? And like the homeless man is like, All right, homo, do they make homo cops now? Are you homo cops? And I'm like, at what point does someone I mean, you're never supposed to argue with a crazy person, but at one point, like we're normalizing homo and faggot in the street, and I'm like, if this <laughs> If this homo says this one more fucking time, <laughs> this homo right here is going to tie Jenny up and run after him and kick him in his fucking homo balls. I don't know why. It's like, talk about 1980s. You're like, what's the biggest diss I can get in in the least amount of words, the least amount yeah. of syllables? What would you do if you said to him, hey, I'm a homo. Shut no, the fuck up. I- Clearly, I'm a homo. I'm not, I don't have to say. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's the thing, is that that area is very gay forward. Maybe he's just calling everybody to arms. He's not. He's calling him a homo cop and not. There's a way that you'd be like, like when I, when I call Marcus a homo, I'm like, what's up, homo? That's a loving, endearing term. Correct. Mm-hmm. And he knows where it's coming from. When a stranger says homo, there's a different, it, there's like a, there's the beginning of the hairs on your back coming up and oh. a little bit of sweat. There's a difference. Oh, yeah. I like that you just established that for me. Yeah. Homo. I need you to know. <laughs> Listen, homo. <laughs> wow. Anyway. We are off to the races today on this Easter weekend. Now. The weekend. The weekend. We are recording the weekend before this drops. So uh, Jesus will have already arrived by the time this thing comes out. He'll He's coming out and. You know, oh, you guys left me in that cave for three days. There's a meme that's a, a woman. 
it's like a, a classic artwork where it's a woman peering into the tomb and Jesus is actually standing behind her and it just says, boo. And she I goes, Jesus that. Christ, you scared the shit out of me. Come on. It's so good. I went to a church for the first time in years this past week. Oh. Not for uh not for Easter. I went there for um a funeral, like mm. you do. But uh I really thought I'm like, they're gonna kick me out, they're gonna know. The best part was during this funeral. Uh you know the part where somebody brings out the incense and they they you know, they hand it to the priest and priest is all dressed up in his funeral whites or whatever. It's very but there's a guy, ceremonial. the guy who delivered him the incense, couldn't have cared less. I'm surprised he put on pants. He walked out in a sweatshirt that said Northeastern alum with like some jogging sneaks and a baggy jean. Like, ah, I just got to deliver this incense and then I'll be, I'll, I'll meet you for brunch, Mary. Keep, keep the car running. I'll be right back. Yeah, yeah. I just got to drop this incense off. And there is something about the Boston accent in a funeral home director when he's like, yeah, uh, walk behind the coffin, kid. Okay, I need your car to come up. Move your cars up. Here's a flag for your car. It says funeral. Huh? <laughs> you want everybody in line, all right? We're gonna, we need some pallbearers. We got pallbearers in here? Is Paul here? Who's Paul? What's he bearing? <laughs> it's a little funeral. <laughs> funeral. I don't know. Oh, let's talk about side effects for a minute. The Mariah Carey song of E equals MC squared? Close. Okay. That actually should be played at the Javits Center when you're getting the second shot in preparation for what's coming she for like some it. of us. She would like it. Let me tell you what. Okay. You're Pfizer. I'm Moderna. It's like the sharks and the jets. Yeah. But the one thing we share in common, you and I. Diarrhea. <sighs> no, I no. wish. Because then I would have something to show for it. This was all internal shaking. Hmm. I tell you what. I had that shot, my second shot, Moderna shot. I'm fully vaccinated. I'm ready to run down the street fully and vaccinated. lick me, ready, ready to fuck. fuck. But we get the shot 9.30 in the morning. I have brunch with Lisa Loeb. <laughs> Cut to hours later when my Jules and I had to drive to Boston. We're about a half hour away from the destination. And I was like, you know, I really don't. Oh, my God, I feel... I'm feeling something. I'm achy. But don't don't address it because you know if like you don't just energy flows where the attention goes or whatever the crap Oprah sure. said. And and if I don't pay attention to it, then I'll be fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not fine. I'm not fine. I'm not fine. I am not fine. My Jules gets a small headache. That's his only side effect. And he's like, Oh, oh, it hurts. Don't. I get a fever, the chills the aches, and a near-fainting experience. Oh, jeez. Which is no surprise to anybody. But by the time we got to my family's house, the chill kicked into, like, high gear. Maybe it's because my body was like, you just got to get to Tylenol, and you got to lay down. And I'm trying to take the Tylenol, and it is literally them trying to put the candy in Shelby's mouth. It's still Magnolia's. It's like, don't talk about me like I'm not here. like, Aaron, that's actually offensive. I'm sorry. I'm this sorry. This is really, a Native American. I'm this really is... close. I'm really cold. I just, the chills went to the next level and I was shivering, shaking. Yeah. Lasted about 20 minutes when the Tylenol kicked in. I was like, all right, let's go to the club. It was a life changing event. It, right. And then I thought, oh, the worst of it's behind me. 
Mm. And then 1.30 in the morning hit, and it was like, I was back again, I'm shaking, I need the juice, yeah. Same fever spiked right back up again. And I, I went to the bathroom. It's 1.30, everybody's asleep, and I brought the Tylenol with me into the bathroom. So now I'm peeing and I'm drinking water at the same time because <laughs> I'm trying to get the Tylenol down. I'm like, just got to get it in my system. And I'm blacking out, I'm blacking out. I see it coming. I ran for the bed. I, I sat on a little. I almost killed them, but I got I got to safety. And then I talked to myself out loud. I was like, if you faint, you're in the right place. If you faint, you're already laying down. If you pass out, you're where you need to be. You're okay. And then the next What's day, with you? I sweat through all my clothes, and I was fine. Yeah. Now I'm vaccinated. Shaky side effects. Yeah. And you had the same thing. Well, I didn't, I didn't have a sequel. It only had... Happened just once, and that just was it. just cycled through all the side effects. Yeah, I had Alien 1 and Aliens, mm. and it was not pretty. Yeah, it's nothing to... Uh, Sneeze at. Yeah. Lest you shit it. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? I don't know. I'm still warming up. Are you warm? Do you want to do a little crack, do a little stretch? You've had some gluten-free banana bread. Let it process. Letting it process. Let it find you. Are you, Are you pooping regularly now? <laughs> How's yes, it going? The fecal podcast. Wait, is the everybody lean in quietly? Are the uh, parasites still there? I think Mary they. Uh, I think they. They uh, finally moved out. You're kidding me! Yeah, they uh, just ran a Swiffer around the apartment and uh, left. Wow, I thought it was going to be a Section Eight thing. I thought it was going to be a permanent fixture until somebody started a meth den in your colon. No, not yet. Congratulations! Do you feel yes. like you missed them? Did you see like a little roadway truck come into your body? I definitely don't need uh, to go buy some more toilet paper because that's what I was doing every day. Holy bidet. I, I wish I had a bidet. Bidet Sunday. Are you on the... I don't know. I'm I have a little heartburn. I'm afraid to say it out but... loud, though. Are you feeling better? I'm feeling more awake. Welcome to Dear Bob, the comedy advice podcast. I'm your host, Hugh Hefner. And I'm Mary Magdalene. And ooh, amen, amen. <laughs> We're coming to you from the Maha Bar in the beautiful Pineapple Ranch. Can I hear it? Show business is full <laughs> of actors, singers, dancers, and models. And then there's me. Actor, singer, dancer, model. Canadian. I can make the word Canadian sound sexy. He that, sure can. Is that um Kids in the Hall? Yeah. Oh, I loved Kids in the Hall. I never got into him. I never could get into him. What? Everyone is surprised when I say that. I'm so offended. Same thing Especially on Comedy Week, because that's the theme. But this week, like all weeks, we're throwing the covers off the articles of Ann Landers and Dear Abby. We're fluffing their pillows and we're tightening their sheets and we're... Well, we're reading their articles. That's what Correct. we do. Every week we do it. So what are you waiting for, motherfuckers? Go follow us on your social media at Dear Pod Official on your Insta, Twitter, your face. Happy Easter, faggot! <laughs> 
has risen on our website, dearpartificial.com. Send us some holy emails, dearpartificial at gmail.com. Any of your advice, questions, complaints, we'll answer everything. And finally, giveth to us, oh wee ones, on our Patreon, patreon.com slash, this is a big surprise, dearpartificial. For three or five dollars a month, you can be a subscriber and we can deliver miracles to your inbox we every damn week. Yes. So get your caves ready. It's Easter Sunday here tomorrow in the pod. But uh, by the time you hear this, he has risen. And we are here. Boo. Uh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, you scared the shit out of me. All right, let's okay, do this thing. We, All I right. think we might be lubed. I think I feel lubed because this week's theme, we better get ready, bend over. This week's theme <laughs> is comedy, baby. Comedy. Comedy. Funny sounds. Funny noises. In honor of all of the clubs opening back up in New York City, all the comedy clubs, doors are open, capacity is limited, but get your ass online and get to the clubs, see some live shows, because I'm telling you, people are going to want to see some comedy after all this wreck. And we need to laugh because... Everything that came out this year was like Francis McDormand in a field crying. Every movie, every TV show, Ray Fiennes digging a hole. Everything was depressing as shit. You know what? I know we're all locked down and we're all probably crying. Um, I'm going to do a Francis McDormand film where she's just living in a van. Yeah. Okay, that sounds great. What else you got? Because um, we're in a pandemic, everyone. What else we got? Okay, well, everybody's in their homes and everybody's feeling depressed and everybody's got like financial problems and stuff like that, I know. But I'm thinking like a really dark lesbian love story where um, Charlize Theron is living in a cave mm-hmm. alone. Okay. But she is a lesbian lover uh-huh. and they're unrequited. Cool, cool. Oh, do and she we... has no money. Oh, okay. So, uh, do, no we have anything... do we? Oh, great. Do we have anything lighter? Again, we're at um, over five hundred. Okay, okay, I've got. Okay, I've and, got it. I've you know, got it. I've okay, got it. Okay, go Ray Fines. Okay, everybody Ray. loves Ray oh, Fines. Right? Everyone loves Ray Mend, not Ray. No, no, no. Fiennes. Ray Fines because oh. when I think light, you know, bubbly, uh-huh. comedy, Cameron Diaz, take your mind off of things. Sure. No, I think Ray Fines. Oh, so oh. here's what I'm thinking. Okay, I want him in a field digging. Uh huh, and then. The ground collapses over him. Okay. Is that the funny part? Uh, no, no. He's friends with Carrie Mulligan. You like her, right? She's blonde. Again, funny, mm. hysterical, like knockdown, uh-huh. drag out. Here's uh-huh. the th- she's got terminal cancer. Huh. And she's laughing about it? No. She finds out that she doesn't have it? No, she's got it. She has a child, too. Huh. That okay. she will eventually leave behind inevitably soon because she's about to die. But again, Ray Fine's digging. Okay, okay. Uh, so ground um, collapsing. What I'm saying is, we're in a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Over five hundred fifty thousand people have died. Okay, a lot of people have lost their jobs. We're not looking for sadness. Okay. we've already we're full. I've got you. I've got you. Are okay. you ready? Yeah, go. College admission scandal. Okay. Documentary. Mm-hmm. No, everybody wants to hear about the wacky antics of rich people cutting yeah. corners to get um, their kids into very expensive institutions. Well, you do know that billionaires actually made more money 
um, during the pandemic than mm-hmm, they did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do we have anything lighter? Do we have like a funny Jennifer Lopez? Oh, oh no, no, I've got and, it. I've got it. I've got it. No, uh, no, 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 no. She's not available. Okay. Penny Marshall's not here. Um, here's what I'm thinking. Woody Allen. Oh, okay. Molested his daughter. Hmm. Four episodes. People love it. People love Woody Allen. Okay. It could be okay. hysterical. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Listen. and he ruined Mia Farrow's life. So that's funny. So is this something that he wrote himself? And this mm. is actually a funny comedy, no, like a he's dark not comedy. Kind of aware. It's kind is of a real like documentary. The Stone no, no, no. War no. of the Roses, or is this some? Um, no. You're saying this is a documentary. Yes. So it's real. It's real. Huh. He married his 15-year-old <clears throat> daughter. Okay. So- do we have anything in animation? These week's articles are comedy-themed. I'm very excited to see what you've come up with. I am as well. (laughs) This would be a very fun episode. We're going to have a very special guest drop by later in the Zoom world of Le Pod to do some interviewing. Uh, But in the meantime, hit me. Hit me with an article. This is a very interesting article, so... Hold on to your tidy whities I've got my vagina pants on. I'm ready to go. We can talk about that, too. I know it makes you uncomfortable. Yes. It's like a screensaver that just won't give up. Show me a crack, baby. This is from the Daily Times, Salisbury, Maryland, Monday, January 6th, 1997. Church comedy. (laughs) Dear Abby, in reference to an article titled, Lawyers' courtroom goofs are good for a laugh, which recently appeared in your column. I was reminded of a church bulletin that had our congregation in stitches one Sunday morning. I'm not sure where it originated. Our pastor announced at the beginning of the service to be sure to to read the back of the bulletin before he began his sermon so that he would not think our laughter was directed at the sermon itself. Signed, Lisa Spradling, Fultonville, Alabama. Dear Lisa, thank you for your your day brightener. It's certainly worth sharing. Most people don't realize how much editing goes into producing a church bulletin or newsletter. Some announcements have have to be completely rewritten because if they appeared the way that they were submitted, it would lead to total confusion. Below are some examples. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of church and community. This is also punctuation. Mainly punctuation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. For those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. This is this being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Martin to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. Next Sunday, a special collection will be taken to defray the cost of the new carpet. All those wishing to do something on the new carpet may come forward and do so. A bean supper will be held next Sunday evening in the fellow, fellowship hall. Special music will follow. At the evening service tonight, the topic will be, What is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. The flower on the altar this morning is to announce the birth of David Allen Hunter, the sin of Reverend and Mrs. Hunter. The United Methodist women have cast off clothing of every kind. They may be seen in the church basement this Friday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Basically, what she's illustrating is um, grammar and punctuation abuses. And that's the funny part, which you're not finding funny. Because you can't see it. Correct. 
She put more work into that than she's put into like any other answer she's ever given. Correct. Uh, it's like funny, unintentionally funny ads. I just remember up New Hampshire, that was always the case. There was a guy who was an electrician, and his name was Ron, and it just said, let Ron repair your shorts. Yeah, no. See? Plumber humor. There's loads of that. Yeah, I guess it is. You gotta. You gotta have a gimmick. I don't understand what this was even about. So basically, like, when I go to my mom's church, which is like once every seven years, and then you turn into a pillar of salt. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a whole thing. And it's like, so-and-so have gave birth to whatever. You know, in McDonough Hall, we will be having the church breakfast for, you know, bring all your teens, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, who got, who married, who died, blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes when you read them, you're like, I don't think that's how you intended to write that. Oh. Like. Those were actual examples? These were actual examples. Yeah. Like, don't let. Don't let uh, don't let worry kill you. Let the church do that. Uh-huh. Basically, is what she was saying. <laughs> oh, grammar, punctuation. For those of you who don't have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. So you don't know that you have children. Oh, yeah. look who just caught on. Oh. Maybe because it's early in the morning. Maybe because it's Easter this is Sunday. Like a, yeah, this is going. This is a, going like a fart in church. <laughs> literally, <laughs> I was looking at you, and all I got was like. I got nothing blink, for you. Blink. There's nothing better than um, getting the church giggles, and it's usually at the expense of <clears throat> someone who, like, I, I remember, like, people are like, oh, I always sing in church. I'm like, you do? Like, no one I knew ever sang in church. I know no one that sang in choir. I yeah. didn't know any singers. And it was usually, like, we had, like, an art teacher, and like then now she'd, like, sometimes moonlight as the church singer. And I'm like, lady, you are not a singer. And it's just like... <laughs> It's like, it's it's like listening to someone being strangled in a tub. Mm-hmm. You're like, Ooh. and he will raise you up, and they keep going. Like, there's no like, there's no like, clearing of the throat or taking a glass of water. They're like, no. I'm committed to this like melting record that is yes. just, like, spinning all day. And once the train leaves the station, they don't stop. It's no. the John Dacre thing. You've seen John Dacre on YouTube old clip like church singing guy and and there's a woman who's accompanying him and she's like uh, now we're going to introduce John Jacob to sing um Yesamore okay and then we'll have some <laughs> some holy songs and holy hymns and then they cut to John Dacre and he decides to sing uh that's amore but he forgets all of the lines you've never seen this no. it's one of the best things on youtube and he, you can see him get flustered right away because it's on that, like, PBS. It's on, like, their local broadcasting thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, Christ the Lord has risen today. That was the first song that he was supposed to sing. And he was like, seems like a long one. Christ the Lord has risen today. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, uh, amen. Hallelujah. And he ju- he's lost all the words, but that Mary Jane or whoever the hell is accompanying him is going forward, hell or high water, and she's just... And, and, and I like uh, whatever. This is 55 years in the United Methodist Church, and, I, and John Dick is going to be here to sing a very popular song, Christ the Lord is Risen Today, and he's going to sing a Maury too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's going to wrap it up with uh, Darling Nikki by Prince. Okay, let's go. Amen. <laughs> All right, I have an article for you. 
Somebody does. Are you ready? No. Because this, you're not ready for this at all. I said I'm not! Oh, let me lean into it then, gently. This comes from the Fremont Tribune, Fremont, Nebraska. December- Where? Fremont. <laughs> oh, I kind of peed a little when I said that. December 4th, 1967. Comedian pilots upset passengers. Dear Landers, please say a word about airline pilots who think they are disc jockeys. I travel a lot, and I'm sick and tired of those chatty fellows up front who sound as if they're auditioning for a talk show. Thanks a lot. Signed, Two Bourbons to Buffalo. Oh, God. Dear Buffalo, I'm with you. I enjoy hearing the pilot give the passengers a friendly hello after takeoff. It's reassuring to know there's somebody up there. But after we get off into the wild blue yonder, I'd just as soon he tended to his navigation. Iron! Remember that trend that was happening not too long ago where it was like flight attendants singing all of the security, the safety things in rap? And at first it was like cute. And then by the 10th, I was like, okay, we get it. TikTok stars, I get it. They're like, you want to take the seatbelt and stick it in the side and then pull the other strap. And na, na, na. Remember when they were like, that was trending? No. You don't I remember I do remember all? when they were like, uh, like when I used to fly Southwest when it was a bargain, when it was like 60 bucks to fly from oh. here to Chicago. Well, that was because they ripped half the seats out and you had to fight old women right. for a spot. And their whole shtick was like, you know. Uh, like, and don't forget to put your uh, your seatbelt across your lips. I mean, your hips. <laughs> oh, like shit, like that for like ten minutes. You're like, can uh, we just take off? Can we just just give me a bag of shitty pretzels that even I'm going to be charged? Just give me for all now. the wine. Come yeah, it's Southwest. I just kicked over two children just to get this spot so I can hang on to the side of your plane. Correct. I just I, sat in urine. I'm can just trying just... to get to Austin as quickly and painfully as possible. You don't lie to me and say that there's some kind of flotation device when I goddamn know well. And good that there is nothing here to save my life. <laughs> if I make it down to the water, I'm not using my seat to do anything except <laughs> shit in. It's going to be filled with shit. Let's be really clear here. And then that here. doesn't float. Nothing on this plane that is supposed to save me will actually save me. <laughs> we are plummeting from a gazillion miles in the air to water. Not all of us are that guy who landed the plane in the Hudson. Good luck. Ernie Hudson. Who was it? Sully. Maybe I'm mixing my metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> Ernie Thank Hudson. You, Sully. I don't know how to fly a plane. But I was a ghostbuster. Uh, it's like this in, in those those videos were trending and I was like, okay, guys, we get it. It's like uh, you've really written out this whole rap while you were in the air to Tokyo. And I know that you wanted to perform it for somebody. It's also the same thing at the beginning of the pandemic. And I know that everybody was like, it just celebrate it all with the doctors and nurses doing TikTok dances. And I'm like, aren't people dying around you? Like, shouldn't, like, could you imagine professional? Code red, code red, code red, code red. And they're like, wait, 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 I just got to finish this We're TikTok doing thriller. dance We're quick. all doing thriller. That's not funny because everyone is wearing a mask and dying outside. You guys, code red, code red. I know, but we're really close to getting Rhythm Nation right. Just that five, <laughs> four, four, three. three no, not the two. middle finger. Oh, oh, he died. <laughs> like, dancers don't expect, ner- like, you don't see dancers being nurses. I don't need someone <laughs> to do, like, the opening of a chorus line while I'm in the ER. I, could you please I, take I'm more I, impressed with if you can get me to breathe or not. I understand that we're releasing some steam, but maybe not in the ICU hallway. Maybe not. Uh, you know? But They're I like, do like the idea of other people showing up and trying to do other people's work on TikTok. So this time around, dancers should pretend to be doctors when they get back to work. 
Sure. I'm just saying. But there's something so relaxing about the pilot tone of voice to me. And why it's are they whispering? It's an NPR whispering? voice. Yeah, but why are they whispering? Because, they, because they're It's like they've got sensitive. a lounge in there. Yeah. Well, they used to, probably. There's like, can you walk in there? Excuse me. Um, can I talk to the pilot? Sure. You go in, there's just like some guy in like a, a velvet suit playing piano. <laughs> like you're at, you're at Don't Tell Mamas. He's like, hey, come on. Is it just two, two of you? It's kind of crowded yeah, on the captain, but that's okay. Yeah. I would take that NPR voice any day of the week. I kind of want that to be the last thing I hear before I leave the world. Like if you're actually crashing in a plane and he's like, all right, so here's the thing, guys. Um, we run out of gas, and that's my bad because I really should have checked that before we left the gate and pushed off. But here we are. We're above Japan. I mean, but we're still far enough away. We're going to have to make a water landing. So, you know that seat that you've been farting into for the last six hours? I want you to take that off. And I want you to strap it to your chest. And then I want you to pick a god to pray to. Can you do that for me? All right, I'm going to see you on the other side. And by the other side, I mean heaven, which is, <laughs> I severely doubt, first class is going to be there. Am I right? Anyway. I hope you guys had a great life. Wheels down on your life in about 25 minutes. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we just heard from the captain. He did say that we we're going to be plummeting into the Atlantic Ocean without any sense of hope or... It's just going to be a massive disaster. If you need to make a phone call, I suggest you do it right now. Although you'll probably only get to the second, uh, the ring, because we are... Oh, shit. And now here's a rap I've prepared for your <laughs> imminent death. So I hear you're going to fall to a painful death. And we're going to land in the Atlantic. You know what? Can we start again? I just. I was I, off. I was off. Welcome to Delta. We're about to crash. I really hope you liked it because I don't know. I'm the man on the mic that they call Lamar. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> I mean. It's a lot. It's a lot of the things. We are spinning, spinning. Give me another article. I did pick this a while ago. Okay. From the Monroe News Star, Monroe, Louisiana, November 30th, 1972. It was a Thursday. Okay. I'll do my best to laugh at this one. That'd be great, because okay. uh, the first time I bombed was right here in the Maha. <laughs> Doesn't it feel so good? It's awesome. Not even, not even a... Or a, you suck! Boo! Where's the Boo! Uh, give me the boo. Get it ready, poised and okay. ready. Tragedy differs from comedy and attitude. Dear Abby, Blue Bride was upset because her fiancé wore braces on his teeth and she was afraid they would ruin her wedding pictures. She wanted her wedding to be perfect. Well, I wanted my wedding to be perfect too, but a few things went wrong. For example, on the way to the church, my fiancé got a flat tire. Then, while running across the street to the church, he was hit by a car. <gasps> Fortunately, he only tore his trousers on both knees and bruised only one of his elbows. <laughs> Not wanting to hold up the wedding ceremony, ceremony he, he got married on schedule with both knees and one elbow exposed. After the reception, we took off on our honeymoon and found that our luggage had been lost. It, it took us quite a while to get it back. But meanwhile, back at, the, back at the motel, my husband hit his sore elbow on the bureau and it made him sick to his stomach. The poor guy upchucked and after flushing in the commode, he realized his partial plate with four front teeth went missing. He sure looked funny, but I loved him anyway. You should kiss a man without teeth sometime. We've been married for 10 years, have since regained our composure and his four front teeth, and we couldn't be happier. Signed, Happy Ending in Tennessee. (laughs) Stop it, all of you! Stop! Stop that noise! You're all gonna laugh at me! 
that scared the shit out of me. Uh. <laughs> you got, that was the amen singer. I literally was like, Ugh, uh. I felt like I got shocked in operation. That was, oh, it's, laughter is terrifying. So dear happy, the way we handle what happens to us can be the difference between tra- tragedy and comedy. You're beautiful. Abby. Oh, pfft. come on. Does she marry Dudley Moore? Is that Arthur? What the hell? <laughs> that guy had a death wish. Don't think for a second he didn't hurl himself in front of the car. Listen, if I was hit by a car on my way to the church... <laughs> I'd be like, maybe this is a this sign. This is fine. I'm, I, we can do this another time. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to stagger in bloody and, and be if, like, let's do this. And if you're throwing up your teeth, why are you throwing up with your teeth? Like, if you know that your teeth are loose... And why are you flushing? You married a man with a partial front plate. Yeah. How do you think the story's going to end? Oh. So all of your honeymoon pictures are you and like the the, the lead from Hee Haw? You and the guy from Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. <laughs> it's just okay. gross. Like, I tried to get myself killed by getting hit by a car before I got here, but the fact that I lived through it meant I needed to go through with the wedding. I mean, it'd be one thing if her front teeth went missing, because it'd be a Definite turn on for him for the honeymoon. Maybe not so much for her. And a toothless woman is funny. It is. There's certain rules of physical comedy that you can't, you know, disobey. Well, at Toothless least is funny. It is. And sexy. Oh, but let's, the Zucker brothers, the guys who created Airplane, brought us all those, you know, prime, fabulous movies that would never, ever be made in this day and age. Excuse me, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> like, these movies were my... I got brought up on these movies. This mm-hmm. is comedy to me. But the the rules of comedy are established. Boobs are funny. Sure. Yes. Male ass, funny. Bear ass, funny. Mm-hmm. Male female ass, I mean, female ass, bear, not funny. No. You know? Cock kills comedy. Correct. These are just rules. I didn't make them. Boobs have always been funny, according to every 1980s movie. So Porkies. are drugs. Yeah. Drugs are always funny. Oh, yeah, they were always funny, right? And then Requiem for a Dream was made, and they were like, oh, maybe Maybe they're not. not. Maybe not. Thank you, Ellen Barkin. (laughs) I got it. I got it. But yeah, physical comedy, baby, except for Jerry Lewis. What do you mean? Were you a Jerry Lewis fan? No. 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 I don't like him. I didn't like Mickey Rooney. Oh, God. I don't consider Mickey Rooney, Mickey Rooney, <laughs> that's his fatter brother. Sure. I don't consider him a comedian, like not a comic comic. Uh, but then Jerry Lewis doesn't consider me a comedian. Because you're a woman? Yes. Fun. Go straight to hell. Straight to hell. Who's, so you actually have a lot of like favorite female comics. I do. I like women. And I'm the other way I like around. I, I like, like Lily Tomlin. Oh, hey, hey. Love Lily Tomlin. You know. Yeah. I like, I pretty much liked, uh, who? Aaron McGuire. Legendary. Jerry McGuire? Nope, nope. Available when Kathy Griffin is not. See, I like the beginning of Saturday Night Live. I liked Jane Curtin, Mm, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Gilda Radner, Lorraine Newman. I liked all the females. I liked that era. It's funny because they don't like women on the show. No, I know. Well, I liked that era, but then I liked. Again, the Mike Myers era, the Dana Carvey years. Who Dana Carvey could do anything. Anything. I loved it. Oh, my God. I'm getting chills talking about this. He was literally like, I mean, he's the reason why I do the John Travolta um, 
Toonses the driving cat with Toonses. Oh my god. Toonses cat is like so weird around here. Uh Darren Patterson, who's a huge fan of the pod, has a whole podcast of his own all about SNL. Oh. Big fan. And by the way, I want to thank him for reaching out to us because he's obsessed with last episode we kept going. And I have to stop there because I'm going to keep earworming on it. I mean, we kept singing it, and then he became obsessed with it, and he he followed the rabbit hole until he found who actually sang that song, and he linked it on our Facebook page. Dear Pod, official. All right. This comes from the Longview Daily News, Longview, Washington, May 20th, 1967. Comedian secretary is problem for the office. Dear Ann Landers, my husband is a fairly dignified man. He has a good sense of humor and his tastes are quite elegant. His secretary is a raucous, earthy type who has a voice like a hog collar and she considers herself a comedian. This might actually be me. Get ready. This woman is forever thinking up gags, which are childish and lowbrow. At Christmas time, she showed up in a Santa Claus suit, beard and all, and romped around the office singing Christmas carols. For Valentine's Day, she wrote a poem for my husband, 42 verses on toilet paper, which she strung around his office. For St. Pat's Day, the idiot sent him a rock through the mail. It must have weighed 20 pounds. To the rock, she attached a card saying, This is the Blarney Stone, but don't kiss it, kiss me instead. My husband is fed up with her nonsense, but he doesn't want to hurt her feelings, so he pretends to be amused. I feel this is a mistake. What is your opinion? Signed, P.L.J. Dear P.L.J., so long as he uh, pretends to be amused, she will continue to do nutty things. Your husband should tell the woman no more gags. And let's hope he tells her sooner. She may decide to blow up the office for the 4th of July. Aeon! If he's really upset about it and he received a, a rock that said, don't kiss this, kiss me, mm-hmm. I think we've got a bigger problem. I think that we have found it, Sherlock, to the base of it. I like that she has a voice like a hog collar. This could really be me. What does that mean? Hey! That was a oh. hog call. Oh, okay. I mean, if I grew up down south. I, sure. I'm, I'm surprised sure. that you actually, without hesitating, <laughs> me that. Right about now, about 10 people drove off the, the road. <laughs> I was just wondering, at first I was like, uh, how, how does, what does a hog collar sound like? Thinking like collar. Swing your partner. Oh, Not no, collar, no. I see. Collar. C-O-L-L-A-R. Mm-hmm. No, no. Calling the hogs. I like a good wacky secretary. Sure. This is also the same woman who if somebody barged into the office, she'd say, you can't go in there. He's in a meeting. <laughs> But miss, no, I couldn't possibly get up from behind this desk. I'm fucking and glued to my chair. You. Oh my god! Oh, wait, you can't go in there. Now wait a minute. Arm I want to know arm on the hip. because that's such a device of '80s comedies. The secretary that tries to stop the person barging into the office. Is this something that ever actually happened in life? If you've worked an office job ever, please write to us, dearpodofficial at gmail.com, and tell us if as a sec because my mother's a secretary. I don't remember ever once. I remember her ripping the red phone out of the wall, but I don't remember her ever saying that she had to stop somebody from barging into an office. Excuse me, you can't go in there. Well, I think it's for a dramatic effect. <gasps> uh. 
It's time for Instagram mail. Instagram mail. I think this is what Crystal Waters sounds like. I don't know. Side of a mountain. You can say I love you. But we'll be landing and bursting the flames. Bursting to flames. All right, so we've got some Instagram do. mail here today, and I'm part of the United Methodist Church. Have been for a very long time. Very proud to introduce John Jager. Now, if you don't mind, if you want to write to us on Instagram, Dear Paul Official, on the Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or write to us, DearPaulDeVisual.com, okay? Wow. That was that chick. What Let's chick? just call her Mary. What the chick? one who introduced John Dager. Oh, my God. I, c- I could feel her, her dress, and by dress, I mean nightgown. <laughs> I mean, her boobs were already on her knees, and she's like, I'm going to lean over here and talk to you on the side of my mouth. I don't even have the energy to turn all the way around and dress the camera, so I'm just going to put the mic right to my, my, my left side so I can just start talking, sort of introduce I've been teaching for 50 years. I'm 55 years old. I've been teaching at this Methodist church since I came out of my mama. And what I'm going to do right here at this panel, because I never get up because I can't, because my... I get all my food delivered to me, and John Dacre usually makes it. Yeah, and the piano bench doubles as the toilet, and then he comes out and then just uh, pulls a lever and then cleans me out. You know what I mean? Holds me down. So, so this week, like all weeks, we're taking your Instagram mail questions, so you can write to us, dearpodofficial at gmail.com, and you can send them to us, and maybe we'll try to answer them, okay? Okay. Okay. Oh, I channeled, because I closed my eyes. Oh, that's sexy. I went inside. To mm. discover the character. I like to, I like to go inside. Just getting into caricature. All right, we got one Instagram mail question this week. Would you like to read it to us, Patois? Sure. Dear Pod, it seems like things are getting back to normal, which is great. Don't get me wrong. We passed the watch me do my cabaret Zoom and Zoom readings, but I'm all burned out of all Zoom. Now my friends are doing outdoor cabarets and reviews, and I don't want anything to do with it. Am I a jerk? I know we have we have all wanted to be together again, but listening to my friend cry for 45 minutes through song is not my idea of busting out of a pandemic fun. Seriously, Tori Amos doesn't make me want to hoot and holler. More like grab a tissue. Signed, Cool Jerk. Mm. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> These precious things. Dear Cool, Like I said to my sister when we went to the St. Mark's Baths in the 70s, just dip your toe in, no need to make eyes with everyone. Jesus. Look, just because the city seems to be blossoming like Soleil Moonfry during puberty doesn't mean we have to commit to everything and anything. We owe it to ourselves to be selective. Come on, we've been Zooming for a year now in our jammies, pretending that we've enjoyed our friends' self-indulgent renditions of Adele's Hello, please, God, no more. Zoom after Zoom, meeting after meeting, filled with frozen screens and crappy reception, all to schedule yet another Zoom about this Zoom. Christ, it's like a meeting quota, and they got to reach the first person to reach 100 gets a star or something, when in actuality, you get Star Jones, which is not such a great prize after all. Yeah. Please, oh please, invite me to your cooking Zoom. I'd love to watch someone else cook and pretend that I'm intrigued. Everybody is now an Ina Gardner or Rachel Ray, when in fact they're all like the Swedish chef from the Muppets. I myself had to use chopsticks to prop my mouth open to force it into the shape of a smile when I enter the 45-minute mark of cooking with Cookie or soups with Susie or it's a Brad, 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 Brad baking world. Well, Brad... If you come at me with another 45-minute Zoom invite to watch your husband perform his I'm a Phoenix rising from the pandemic ashes solo concert, I just, I just might snap. Look, 
I know that spring is coming up faster than a 12-year-old boy flipping through his first penthouse, but invites are stuffed in my inbox right now harder than a twonk on his first Dick Doc appearance in Fire Island. I am really hoping that we can all give each other something that, that we really want. A break. A break from the barrage of invitations, of cabarets, one-man shows, hour-long torch songs, one-woman plays based on their experience of lockdown. Let's be selective of what we now want to devote, devote ourselves to. Let's not keep saying, hey, I'd like you to come to my Natalie Merchant set. Won't you come? Please, please, please. Try saying this instead. Hey, gang, I'm about to depress the shit out of you with my ode to Sarah McLaughlin and all those abandoned puppies out there. If you can make it, great. And if not, I totally understand. I get it. I will catch you the next time when I roll around with my next show, which will be cover versions of the Tina Yothers tribute band. What we're all going to need now is a break from obligations for a hot minute so we can be as free as the urine out of a 26-year-old brotastic bro in Kipps Bay during SantaCon. Just let it flow. We will all be trying our first. First lunch indoors without masks. First maskless happy hours. Jesus Christ, we're all going to be like Ashley Judd in the Morgan Freeman classic, Kiss the Girls, when she escaped from the subterranean prison, racing towards anything and everything, all the while being exposed to her first ray of light in weeks, which is so brutal it pierces you like a rusty Prince Albert. What I'm trying to say is we need baby steps. Baby steps. Let us take it one inch at a time. Be gentle with us. Just because you're ready to take it all at once doesn't mean that we are. So much to see, so much to do. How will we have the attention span to focus on your sad, sad, dimly lit solo show? What I'm saying, I or my God, we haven't worn adult pants in a year. We've only seen people in our pods. And now I'm like free willy. And you want to lock me down and throw me in a tank at SeaWorld to watch your painfully, painfully scrawl through your Linda Etter songbook? No thanks. Now comedy show is different. You make me laugh, and then you have my heart. But you make me listen to you sing and Carrie Bradshaw faux cry, you're going to have my fist. Happy. Then if you're down for that, I'd like to invite you to a comedy show I'm emceeing at Gotham on April 14th. Um, Carrie McGuire. I'm busy. <laughs> you just said you like it. That's what I said. It's funny that you said the, the thing about... You know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I, I've been going back because it's this one-year mark, and I have the Time Hop app, so I get to see all of everything that I was talking about one year ago, and I was ahead of the curve. The second day of the lockdown, I had posted a status that said, I love you all, and we are going to get through this. But I just want to say, if you post a video of you singing a cappella with three other versions of yourself, we are done here. What was that all about? I... Hate! I'm a hater. Which leads me to this. Anne's answer. Dear jerk, if you're a jerk, then I'm Harvey Weinstein, Woody Allen, Ellen DeGeneres, and Terry Hatcher all rolled up into one. What did Terry Hatcher do? She's a jerk. We spent a year in hell, and now your friend wants to put you through more of it? I'd rather relive every day of 2020 than go to a cabaret. Most of us didn't like people before this pandemic. If you think we're coming out the other side with a fuzzy let's all touch each other because now we can attitude, you're wrong. If one good thing has come out of this whole garbage fire, it's enforced distance. The perfect get out of jail free card for crap events. Please, I plan on using COVID as an excuse until 2025. You're coming out of a year of isolation and stress. If you don't know what you want or don't want in your life, then you didn't do this pandemic right. You're going to have to wait until the next Spanish flu for a little uh, self-reflection or, or hope someone decides to eat another bat. 
because we live in the United States of amnesia. I figure we've got a grace period of about four months. So take this time to establish your boundaries. If Oprah and my jewels on BDSM night have taught me anything, there's an incredible power in the word no. Let's practice saying no right now. Hey, you want to come to my improv show? No! We can finally be around each other again. Want to check out my outdoor cabaret? No! I'm doing a socially distanced interpretive show in Central Park where I pull eggplants out of my ass. Want to buy a ticket? Yeah. No, no, maybe. Let me think about it. Put your own happiness first. Make choices for yourself and don't apologize. But when Dear Pod does finally have a live show again, you should definitely come to that because let me assure you, it will be awesome. Good luck, you dink, and happy hermiting. Ayan! So in honor of our very special comedy week and in honor of the fact that all of the uh, New York City clubs have reopened to limited capacity, comedy is alive again in the city, baby. We have brought in a very, very special guest. I'm so honored to have her. She's a phenomenal stand-up comedian, a published author, and most importantly, an orchid aficionado. Please welcome host of NPR's Ask Me Another, Ophira Eisenberg. Wow. Wow, that applause is beautiful. Thank you. Doesn't Thank it you. sound good? We'll get up to that. That's like that's like 98% applause, and roughly we're at about 40% applause. <laughs> right. If you could cut that in half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're, we're going to half it because we want to know that you're socially responsible with what you're doing. Welcome to Dear Pod, the comedy advice podcast. We're so excited to have you, Ophira. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. This is I my feel, co-host, I feel Patty. I'm scared. Uh, you I'm should scared. be scared. We're very dry, very angry people. <laughs> mm-hmm. All the time. Not warm at all. Not well. Erin, I feel like, you know, for, I know that you, well, you've been doing comedy for a while. I've been doing comedy for a while. Like, I just mean that we, we're we not new to it. Yet we only met, like, a year ago. Well, now yeah. two years ago. But you know what I mean. We're new to each other. Yeah, that year doesn't count. I'm, I'm taking it entirely count. out, lifting it. Yes, we're new to each other. I think that we met at Gotham Comedy Club on yep. one night, that right? That is true. That and, is true. you know, I'm a super fan of yours because it's awesome to watch you work. I think you're such a smart comedian and, oh, and such a, a brilliant author. What a great writer. I always have an appreciation for a comedian who's a good, sharp writer. And you bring in so much preparation with everything that you do. <laughs> like Because, you know, you see those comics who are like, I'm just going to go up and talk and let's see what happens. And then you're like, and then they shit the bed. <laughs> But Ophira comes in and is like, oh, it's so relaxing when you see a performer where you're like, I don't have to grip the sides of my seat. She's got this. <laughs> you know? Thank you. So it's awesome. We've been, you know, binging NPR's Ask Me Another. You have such a Thanks. wide range of skills and things and arenas that oh you've delved into. And I just want to start, you know, diving right in. Let's ask you some comedy questions, baby. Go on, Patty. You want to tee us off? I was watching one of your um, shows earlier today, <clears throat> trying to pretend that I wasn't where I was at my job. And I loved <laughs> when you were talking about, it was so fucking clever. Um, 
about the artisanal ice cream. Oh, nice. Because I, I feel like we've gone a little bit too far with like all those things. Like Aaron has talked about like, like the the deodorant and everything and Mm -hmm. how everything has gotten a little bit like it used to be just be like, you know, mountain fresh and fresh linen. And now it's just like anger management and (laughs) duck shit. And then the same (laughs) thing when you were talking about artisanal ice cream, it's like, you can't just go get like, I'll just have chocolate and vanilla. Now it's just like, um, baby's breath and uh dragon leaves whatever you whatever you said because you're like like you walk you walked in and they're like oh we don't have the basics anymore it's like every place just has god i know how they ruined it we've ruined so many things i mean i even feel that way i remember like ice cream is specific because i do i live in brooklyn and i do oh. live near like the fancy ice cream place where it's like today's flavors uh and you know it's like i will be and now i have a kid so it's like today's flavors and it's like you know lavender lemon <laughs> you're just like kids no no <laughs> those are not that's like those are that's a flower and a citrus okay that's not a flavor children of ice don't cream. like rose as a flavor it's just oh, not gonna goodness. fly it's like, like eating I a grandma appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Yes, exactly. Mm, delicious. Uh, do you, do you, does this ice cream taste of long-term care to you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, this t- can I have the uh, pension with chocolate sprinkles? Thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then tea is very much like, I just like a black tea. I, I do like a tea. And I do like a black tea, but finding a black tea is really hard. No, what's a girl got to do for a Lipton? I'm telling you. <laughs> it's really, yeah. And then I feel like if you're at a restaurant and you, and they're like, do you want our tea menu? And they hand you this like binder and you're just like, oh, where's the black tea? And then you just, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's not quite the equivalent of going into a bar. And I know bartenders complain about this, that they work at one of these, you know, uh, we have we support every microbrewery that's ever made like oh. three bottles of mm-hmm. beer, you know, and that's been their total for the year, total output, limited edition. Yeah. And the IPAs and the triple stouts and the special pills. And then someone comes in there and just looks at the big list and goes like, can I have a bud? You know, I know they are mad. (laughs) I know they're mad. (laughs) When I used to travel, uh, I used to do what I called, and maybe I I would be like, well, I'm just going to find the Brooklyn of St. Louis, or I'm going to find the Brooklyn (laughs) of whatever town I am, because that exists. It's a brand. It's a thing. It is. Right. So, and I was like, that's the bar I want to go to. I got to find the Brooklyn of St. Louis. And I found it, uh, this whiskey bar. And they handed us, a, me and a bunch of people that I was with, a huge cocktail list. And I, I mean, I read this cocktail that I was going to order. It did not have one ingredient I understood. Like, I did not know any of these words. And I have drank. I would just like to throw it out there. <laughs> I have drank. Before. You're good at the but drink. But I was... <laughs> And it had 15 ingredients. It was really long. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't recognize one. And it was, you know, all the stuff. And so I said to, 
you know, I said to the um, server, I was like, so what does this taste like? I don't know any of these things. And she was like, oh, it has a round mouth feel. Nope. Uh, and like it kind of hits your palate. You know, uh, at first you feel like sort of this intensity, but then it's smooth on the back end. And it's, uh, you know, it's got a, a really balanced acidity. Like just again, like, and I just went, fine, fine, I'll order it. If someone and says then... mouthfeel to me, I would leave the establishment. <laughs> I can't think of a worse combination of words than mouthfeel. Mouthfeel. <gasps> like that's and if you've ever been to any of like the the speakeasies in in yeah. Brooklyn or in Lower Manhattan, which are so pretentious. I'm also like, you're a speakeasy, aren't we not supposed to find you? You're in Yelp. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can yelp you. I see you. I see you. But I went to Death and Company once, and I've never felt so stupid in my life because they're mixing shit and they're talking about it like elderflower gin and hibiscus syrup and the semen of a righteous man. (laughs) But they act like you're dumb for not knowing what it is. Sure. Yeah, and there's 17,000 Amaros, and there. Anyways, this this cocktail, I think it was also like twenty dollars in St. Louis, which is a, even more. I mean, like even more. Seventy-five dollars in here. New York. But yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it arrives in like you know, and they're just proud they've made this concoction. And I sip it, and I'm like, Dr. Pepper. Like it tastes exactly. <laughs> It's exactly like someone just opened up one bottle of Dr. Pepper. And 45 minutes later, too. No shit. It's got a Dr. Pepper mouthfeel, okay? Does that make it fancy? Yeah, exactly. Fizzy and then oh. cherry and cola. Can I just have the nachos for Christ's sake? I got to leave, you know? You've taken two hours to make this damn cocktail for me to establish that it tastes like Dr. Oh, Pepper. Yeah. You know, we all have war stories, and I feel like that's one of the most enjoyable aspects of of comedy is being able to survive it and walk on the other side and say, you're never going to believe what happened to me tonight. I'm sure you have a collection of war stories, comedy war stories. Yeah, I've done bad lots. Yeah. (laughs) Please, I played a Sears parking lot this summer. There's no shame in our game. I Yeah, I did that too. Not only that, but I think the Sears was out of business. Oh wait! It was, it was you. We were on that series. show together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, me, yeah. you, Bandit and Aaron series. Jackson. And so, but series. let's see. That all in all, Aaron was a good gig. That was a very good gig. Hard to up. imagine, which is also a weird thing that comes with comedy. You know, you sign up for these things that sound insane, and I think I, I'm just going to make an assumption that you're like me that. Almost the weirder it is, you're sort of like, yeah, I'm even more in. Yeah, someone's like, I have a bathroom in Bronx. Do you want to come and do it? You're like, mm-hmm, there's a story. Yeah, it's like under a bridge. All right, yeah, sure. The insane Why? asylum at uh, Roosevelt <laughs> Island at midnight? Of course. I'll bring it. Yeah, exactly. If you've got a Of space. course, it's like weird, though, because if someone's like, it's under a bridge, and there's it's only trolls, but it pays five hundred bucks. I'd be like, uh, I don't know. I do it for a thousand. But if they say it, pen, it pays ten bucks, I'd be like, I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> the less money, the better it seems. Like it's got more street cred. <laughs> They're like, we can give you an Uber Eats coupon code, and that's pretty much all we can do with our budget. And you're like, fuck yeah, man. What's what's one of your best comedy horror stories? One of your best flops? One of your worst experiences? 
Um, yeah, I think so. One that comes to a couple come to mind from like early on, because that's also when I didn't even I didn't have the chops even to deal with what was going on. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're just screwed. Uh, and <laughs> I, I did take one of these gigs. It was like my first road gig. I was, I started in, in Toronto, uh, and there was, you know, we we're going to drive two hours out to another town to do a road gig that one of the comics had put together. Cause he knew the owner at this business, blah, blah, blah. I was going to get paid. I don't know, 40 bucks. It's very exciting. I was super nervous. We drove out there and the venue was, was a strip club. The venue was a strip club. Because, uh, like theater, they were dark on a Monday. <laughs> and so, but they want, I guess the owner thought he could make a little extra cash on a Monday. Uh, so, but the flaw was, I think, as a strip club owner, that it never occurred to him or anyone that you might have to advertise. Oh, God. So there was nobody there. There was nobody there for this comedy night. And the owner uh, felt embarrassed and i think the guy that dragged us all there felt embarrassed this is how you know it's canadian <laughs> they <laughs> felt they shame bad. Yeah. something that is void of in this country they yeah, felt shame yeah. and uh so the owner called up the usual people that work there the strippers and their friends and said please please come down i don't know if there was any sort of like you must or whatever but a bunch of the strippers showed up with their friends or boyfriends and what have you, and they made up the audience, which to me was terrifying. Really? Oh my God. I, I feel like, well, because yeah, you're a newbie, and now there's a I'm bunch a of newbie. people with no shirts on. Yeah, and uh, and I just felt like they were uh, like they were just an intimidated bunch, intimidating bunch. They held a lot of power in that room too, yeah. like you know that thing as a comic. It's like it's really hard to play like family reunions or when someone asks you to do private parties. They're extra hard because you're the guest on their turf. Like a mm -hmm. comedy club is the other way around mm -hmm, in theory. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like they're they're uh, they better be on best behavior, whatever that means. You're they're on your turf. So uh, I really was uh, out of odds, but I mean, it, I did not do well. I mean, I think I think some people did do well. I did not do well. I was so nervous and so shaky, but I do. And then I was like, just do the dating material. Just like you, you weird internal mon <laughs> monologue. Just do the dating material affair. Just do all the dating material. And I can't, you know, honestly, I can't remember what exactly was the joke that got this, but one of the women who, uh, worked there one of the strippers just yelled she liked whatever joke i had and she just i remember she just yelled out it's funny because it's true like this one and i think she felt bad for me which again is how you know it's a canadian story uh, thanks cinnamon appreciate yeah, it right exactly exactly this one's for you angel so. don't you hate it when you take your shirt off and nobody gives you five bucks it's fine because it's true but there were two times in my uh i think i yeah probably there's more times that i've wanted to do this but there's two times that i actually did this where i bombed so badly and felt so sh crappy about myself that i actually left through the emergency exit i like didn't <laughs> i didn't even decide to find the door did that set the alarm off did you set was, the alarm that? off when you did that 
Oh, yeah, that's when you find out that so few of those places have the alarm on. (laughs) So not only did you flop, you exposed a hole in their system. (laughs) Wow. But I didn't care. I didn't care. I opened the door with, like, if the alarm goes off, so be it. I'm out of here. Just run. Yeah, there's an errand-shaped hole in many a wall in many establishments that I have played, believe me. The first flop. But don't you feel like after the first time you flop, that I, I think when you flop magnificently, I, I've never felt as bad as that. I, I want to yeah. knock on wood right now. The first flop is rough. I stopped doing uh, stand-up after, for two months after my first flop. I was like, nope, can't do it. And then you come back yeah. with a, like, a new layer of alligator skin. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, it's sadly part of the process. And sometimes, you know, as you continue it, it's not even your false um like you know it perfectly good comics just hit a weird crowd you're never supposed to blame the crowd and but i am i am a believer that someone like someone might be like you can always do something with the crowd which is true you can always do something with the crowd and sometimes it depends what your goal is like i get it an average like an audience member will be like well your goal is under every circumstance to make me laugh and I go, no, no, my goal is to do what I do, and you have to come on the ride. So then we're at an impasse. Mm-hmm. That is genuinely one of the most golden rules that I have learned of late. Yeah, that I'm like, otherwise, if you continually adapt to every room you're in, it's called pandering. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, then then you never establish what your voice is if you're chronically adjusting to every room you're in. Because I've been in rooms in like the bowels of the Bronx, which are totally different than doing an event for Armstrong Ambulance, which that was my, that was my, okay. I, I say it was never as bad as the first flop, but that was a pretty, ex, like that was a magnificent flop. It was me wow, in front of a bus. Wow, to die at, you died in, with an ambulance crowd. <laughs> I there. know. Nobody that's that's a rough day for everybody. They're like, we don't usually lose them. <laughs> but you know what? Let this one flatline because this bitch is walking home. We're not driving her. Nothing is better than in the middle of your set for someone to wheel out a chocolate fountain and for everyone oh. to run to the chocolate fountain. It's can, okay. Can I, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, can no. I tell you? So every time someone says chocolate fountain, you know how sometimes there's like little tiny things that hit your head, <laughs> memories of stuff that happened, and they will make you laugh forever. Yeah. And I remember being at a Christmas party, uh, and it was a really uh, elaborate spread, and they had a chocolate fountain, and everyone was, uh, and I remember feeling intimidated at that Christmas party, and everyone was. Um, was uh, like, you know, a professional, a person, a person who was a person. Everyone yeah. at that party was a person. And I just remember seeing this guy who was clearly like fucking probably now, ma- I think about it, like mansplaining to everybody something. And he had a tweed jacket on. And I just remember him seeing his elbow accidentally wipe <laughs> through the chocolate fountain that was behind him while he was gesticulating. And it's one of my favorite things, just being like, oh, you're fucked. Oh, God. The chocolate fountain is the great equalizer. Yeah. Always is. See, Sir, I think of a chocolate fountain found in a different term, but that's because I've had two parasites. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've had two parasites. Not one. Yeah. Back to back. They were twins. We talk about it a lot in the podcast. We've been actually documenting the process of Patty's parasites. It's wonderful. It's been amazing. You should definitely listen back. 
I'll, I don't want to hog all the questions because I'm fascinated by everything. So go ahead, Patty. So I was looking at your roster of people that you interview <laughs> on your show and it's yeah. like fucking, it's, I'm like. Insane. I mean, Zoom seriously, that. like you have some repeat offenders. I'm like, oh God. And then I was like, I can't even, like you like, you like go from like Joseph Gordon-Levitt to like Hillary Swank to like your SNL peeps. And I'm like, this is fucking incredible. Did I see that you you interviewed um, Jane Curtin? Did you do that? <gasps> Jane, I did in a different context, but yes, in a different. That was for the Nantucket Film Festival. Weirdly, mm-hmm. um, back how in, was that? Back, good. So she was with a she was on a panel with um, a few other uh, women from SNL. She was the only. I mean, she was the the talent that we know and the other women mm-hmm. were writers um but they weren't on screen so much and i'll tell you that she was the she just like struck you immediately as i'm just gonna say it sounds cliche but the nicest warmest most just like naturally funny mm-hmm. without without a need or a care of a, like no no bullshit nothing mattered totally like ready to play at any time. It was mm-hmm. a joy. That was a joy. It didn't feel like you had to push or like that you were uh, offending or that maybe you came about it the wrong way or anything. That's Which, amazing. you know, I worry about that when I interview someone. I'm like, am I getting, am I coming at you at the right angle? Do I have it? How, you know? Yeah. But do you feel like sometimes you have to like, they're like, there are some people that you talk to where it's like they make you work for it. Oh God, yeah. And then there oh. are people when you're like, oh, I can't believe... You know, because oh, you, you hear like sometimes the, the stories of like the old SNL people where they really kind of make you like, you know, fucking, you know, tap yeah. dance for grandma. And then there's yeah. some when you're like, oh, shit, I can't believe. Oh, and it really sticks out. You know, we had Rosie Perez on the show a while ago and that woman, like she just showed up. I mean, I think it's just who she is with like 15 fantastic stories. Mm-hmm. Like basically you just had to say hi. <laughs> and let, you know, and just let her do it. I mean, she's she's incredible. Like you think it's like opening up like like grandma's closet. It's like she's been on and she was an, a backup dancer. She was in Living Color. She was on Soul Train. She was I think nominated for an Academy Award. You're like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Yep, yep, I know. Shit, and she like- and she's a huge boxing fan. And she's met all all of the famous boxers and has stories about meeting each one of them. A couple that she was like, I don't think I I don't think this is safe for your program for me to tell you what I did. It was hilarious. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. So how do you prepare for interviews? So I a producer does provide me with like some uh, like the uh, basically a document that is you know like here's a whole whole bunch of information on this person that they've kind of culled into a couple pages and some potential questions and then we talk it out and kind of talk about like well what do we really want to know from this person what's been asked all the time do we have to introduce this person to our listeners or are they really really well known and everyone sort of has a different tactic and then you know we play with it and i do more research and if i need to watch their new series i'm usually very good about that or read their book or what have you and then we get there and sometimes i stick to the script but sometimes it goes completely Yeah. So, uh, you hope that you've done your research so at least you have enough ways to work with that um because i've never really been able to like talk to you talk to you outside of a club 
I've never gotten your backstory of like when you started doing stand up. Now you're a Canadian, but you also are studying right now for American citizenship. Tomorrow morning. Oh my God. That's your test tomorrow. (gasps) I will be stalking you online for sure. I guarantee you, you know more than either me or Patty, and we have grown up. You know which one I still, I keep getting wrong? It's because of the way it's phrased. Name two rights from the Declaration of Independence. It's so easy, but the way it's framed, I feel like, is to mess with you. Name two rights from the Declaration of Independence. Couldn't even tell you right now. Completely blank. I would I'm fail not a, at being in test American. anxiety. I don't know. I don't even know. But when I tell you, when I tell you, you're going to be mad because you just have to give two of them. But the total amount of answers you could possibly give to this is three, and the answer is life, liberty, and the pursuit of <gasps> happiness. I'm going to open up the window and jump out right now. I would never. <laughs> but the way it's phrased, the rights. You saying the word rights also? I know now. I understand those are like inalienable rights or mm-hmm. something. The way, yeah. So using rights with the Declaration of Independence is very interesting. And then saying two, when those th- three things are always kind of thrown around as the, the as a thing. Yeah, that right? is tricky. That yeah, is tricky. the Mandrell sisters. <laughs> So that's your code for tomorrow. I find that very, I find that's phrased in a tricky way. It It is. is. Getcha. Because I would say like right to bear arms or right freedom of speech and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's the Constitution. Ah, crap. That's that's what I figured. Which it's been very hard to keep. Yes, anyways, I'm learning. Where are you from originally? Canada. From Calgary, Alberta. Canada. Did you grow up? Fun fact. Fun fact. What? What? I danced in the opening Olympics of the 1988 Winter uh, Calgary and Winter Olympics. Yeah. Oh, Carrie Strug, myself. <laughs> I can't handle it. What the literal hell? <laughs> what? How? Was it an open call? Were you in a dance group? Set were you part scene. of some kind of like? Were you like part of Dance Moms Calgary? <laughs> like, what was it? No, I was like I was a little kid and I was in ballet at a ballet school and they came and auditioned everybody when, you know, we were kids, but they were like, the Olympics are coming and we're going to do a big dance number with you guys and some people from Quebec. Uh, So, but you had to audition, but they needed a lot of people, let's be fair, but not everyone got in. And then, you know, so I got in, but it was then they get the bid. What was that? Like six years before mm-hmm. uh, it was going to happen. So it just seems like, especially for a little kid, six years in the future. Oh my God. It seemed like a like crazy amount. Well, you uh, also age like, yeah, you're like, you're a like lot. a child. And then you're like, <laughs> I, know. I don't yeah, want to be in this fucking stage. Who let I'll drag myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, so then it happened and, and then, you know, so as it got closer, we rehearsed for, we rehearsed for a year. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah, oh my every, God. Every Saturday morning. It was just once a week because I was in ballet classes the rest of the time. But once a week for the Olympic um, dance, we rehearsed every Saturday for a year. Is it the same routine that you rehearsed? Or they're like, oh, we just kind of came up with something like six Yeah, I mean, it in. was like this. It was this. No, it was the same routine, but it was this big thing that I mean, as you can imagine, had a lot of different moving parts, and we had to do circles, and it's at a stadium, so there was a lot of traveling, and I guess you know we also couldn't be on site because that stadium was used throughout the year for hockey and football and all the rest. <laughs> so there was only a week before that that we could actually do it on the in the stadium. So there was just like a lot of different 
they cut it up in all these different ways. I, I remember it, but I don't totally re- like, I, you know, I couldn't do the dance. I'll tell you that much. Well, well, so, we're going to so. find it on YouTube. Yeah. It and doesn't then we're going to make you do it again. You're what? kidding. I've what never found it. Well, I, I take your challenge and I will come up with it. And we're not going <laughs> to see Patty for another six months. But let me tell you what, it will be worth it. Worth it to see this YouTube clip. That's amazing. So you came up, obviously, performing in theater, dancing, doing everything. When did you start? No theater. No theater. Just the ballet classes. And it was a big deal. I'm the youngest of six. And it it was a big deal that I was given ballet classes. It was totally like an economic thing. Like, my parents had enough money. And and was I a good dancer? Eh. I was like, okay, uh, but I no Rosie hard. Perez. And no Rosie Perez, <laughs> exactly. I worked hard, and then by the time I got to, I took it all the way through high school, and then I was like, oh, I want to become a cultural anthropologist. So then I went to school. I went to McGill to study cultural anthropology. Like you do. Like you do. And the discipline had fallen apart because everyone was like, oh, yeah, people, you know, white people can't study other cultures. What the hell are you talking about? Really? Not cool. We're not supposed to. We're just supposed to be stupid. No. Yeah, no, it's just, it would be, it's a, yeah, it's like racist, basically. Uh, So the discipline became criticizing the discipline and then right towards the end i was like i'm actually going to do a i'm going to have a do a degree that's half anthro half cultural anthropology and half theater and i'm going to write about cultural appropriation in the theater <gasps> wow Specific had, if you did a double thing at school you had to write a thesis at my at mcgill so uh, so I wrote about Peter Brooks Mahabharata. Anyways, side note, but uh, but I didn't take I like there was no I didn't take any theater, but I really wanted to. It was like that's what I definitely wanted to do. I just didn't know how to get there, and I was clearly super afraid. So instead, I took this like academic kind of dip my finger. Oh yeah, you did the same thing. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. I was so like I was so like, oh, absolutely intimidated. And I felt like I was starting too late. And I was just like, you know, it's like the fat kid running after the bus and be like, wait. And then by that time you had graduated and then you're like, well, no, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Then you start your life over. Right. So then I finished. And then what do you do with the cultural anthropology degree, a double cultural anthropology theater degree? Uh, So I moved to Vancouver because my sister lived there and I was just sort of tooling around and I... I volunteered at the Vancouver Comedy Festival as an usher. Oh. And I met other, other. it turned out, other like stand-up, com- people who wanted to be stand-up comics were also doing that. Some of them were doing amateur nights. Yeah. And then I went to a workshop for stand-up comedy. Okay. At this club in Vancouver for the weekend. Uh, thinking, and I had the whole scam planned out because I didn't have money to pay for it, whatever it was, $300. So I was going to go for a while and then, you know, say, I'll get, I'm going to go get the money and then like take off. Line and ditch. (laughs) Yes. They're like, but Ophira, you've gone to three of the six classes. We, we yeah, love of your course, address. Yeah, you, and, and I did. I, I did, of course, figure out that when you walk in, they you, they need the money. Yeah. they don't wait. <laughs> yeah, they kind of the like it up front. Yeah. So I, I took the I took the money on my bank account, but that was all I had. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, 
And then that was just a weekend thing. And then, then the Sunday night they were like, oh, okay, you're going to do the graduation show. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I was like, oh, I have a shift at Kinko's. I can't do it. Because <laughs> <gasps> I worked at Kinko's. <laughs> All the best people worked at coffee shops. I did one week at Staples. There's no judgment. <laughs> oh, God. I worked in the computer section. Let's oh, just be clear. Okay. No, I just refilled uh, pencils. <laughs> And so then I called in sick for my Kinko shift and uh, and did a set. And then, or whatever that was, was it a set? <laughs> I did the thing. And then, yeah, it was amazing. But it, it just took me so long after that, probably about a year, maybe more, to, like, I did it a little bit more. But it just took me, I kept, I kept not doing it. Like, I kept figuring out ways to not do it. In yeah, sabotage. welcome to stand-up. I think that's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Sabotage. is. There's a tipping point where you're like, okay, I'm all in. Yeah. How many years so, in were you before you were like, I'm all in? Well, I moved so short. When I decided to take it seriously, I moved to Toronto because Toronto had a big scene. Yeah. Comparatively. Funny Canadians. And, and that was it. Like I was, and that's when I was like, now I'm going to try to do this. So along the way, did I want, did I think I was, actually Toronto was pretty kind to me. It wasn't until I moved to New York that I was like, can I do this? Like then I had to start all over again yeah. and it felt very much like maybe I don't do stand up. Maybe I do something that I thought was stand up, but yeah. <laughs> maybe it isn't. What, um, when yeah. did you move to New York? 2001. Yeah. It's a shock, isn't it? It's like jumping on a moving treadmill. Yeah, and you forget how much it is about people knowing each other. Like, there's a familiarity thing that's really important, especially, I think, in a place, you know, like L.A. and New York, but it's just a place where people come in and out. So, mm-hmm. like, you just have to get to know people. Oh, my God, you have to get to know people because, yeah, they no one owes you anything, and there's plenty of people. Exactly. Who are your comedy heroes? Yeah, comedy heroes. Who are my comedy heroes? So... I mean, I will say, even though I really discovered her later in my comedic life, but Joan Rivers in the, I guess what would be the last decade of her life, Mm -hmm. even though she did so many things that I just wasn't, you know, I just didn't consume uh, at the same time. But then I started reading her books and I would go see her at the cutting room. Oh my God. She would perform at the cutting room in New York almost every week. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. And I was just totally blown away by her. I was blown away uh, by um, the amount of new material that she was always doing. I was blown away with just her, um, the way she dealt with the crowd. I mean, it was was watching a masterclass for sure. But also um, just someone that, like, she just had something for everything. Like, she had something for everything, every moment every interaction, every possibility she had. Um, uh, and she was so quick. So uh, she has so a card catalog was, of jokes. She's that card catalog of jokes, yeah. which was, I mean, which I want, it's, it's, Oh my God. Uh, I think uh, Melissa Rivers posted on Instagram, like uh, a throwback. Um, like she pulls out a card, like takes that a picture of it. That stuff must be it. in the Smithsonian yeah. by now. Don't you think? It should be. What's that? Is that in stuff the Smithsonian? in the Smithsonian? It has to be you know, like put somewhere because you've been to National Comedy Center in Jamestown, right? They yeah. have all of George Carlin's yes. notes 
Just his notes, even, like the stuff, the ideas that he wrote down, boxes upon boxes. His daughter gave gifted to National Comedy Center, and it's wild when you walk around there, especially if you're a comedy nerd. Like, the the artifacts and the items that they have curated, it's like, <gasps> it kind of takes your breath away. But I'm surprised. Yeah. That, like I'm like, what happened to those cards? That's a good question. She probably don't. All right. Her. Let have me ever... reveal them. <laughs> I no. knew it. Show me the cards, Vera. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also, you know, I love Maria Bamford. Love. Just someone more contemporary. Um, it's, she doesn't do anything like I would ever do uh, at all. But I think that I love the fact that she's like absolutely one of a kind. Yeah. Yeah. There is no one like her. The voices she can do is incredible. The way that she can do characters is insane. And, the, and her writing is fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of a perfect hybrid of, of everything. I'm a huge fan of hers, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Do you, you know. get heckled, Ophira? Um, I've been, have I been heckled? No, I think I've just been, like, disappointed at. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good way to put it. I know. <laughs> Frankly, Ophira, I'm disappointed I'm dis- in you. <clears throat> Thanks, yeah. Dad. <laughs> I mean, I remember like once I, but the person, whatever. So I remember once I did a show at the Village Lantern and there was a, a guy in the front row who just stood up and told me that I was terrible and that this was terrible. <laughs> uh, and so that was, that was like, I guess a heckle. Oh, please. Someone said to me the other day, because now, you know, live shows. Oh, isn't it so exciting to be back? We're not on Zoom anymore. Right. And then after the live show, the guy comes up to me and he goes, you know what I like about you? You don't care how you look. And I was like, I'm going to go walk into traffic if you could hold my purse. I was like, I'm going back to Zoom where I can control the lighting. I can control the filters. You know, it's it's so funny. The Zoom thing is, um, you know, it's like not ideal at all for comedy, obviously. And I don't have to say anything new about this. But the one thing that is really good for me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Aaron, is that I can't do all of my mess my with my mind yep. before I go on go on by looking around uh you know deciding that the audience hates me yeah. <laughs> deciding that this is not the deciding that the person before me is better than like just all that stuff is gone yeah. obviously but you still have to perform and do as well as you can in this format uh and just do it blindly like you can make no assumptions about your audience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can make n- nothing you just do it and in some ways i go this is good because it it, it distills that thing where you were like you cannot pander what are you pandering to there's nothing to pander to there's no until you perform to no one there it's pretty wild and i do say i was like i don't know about you and, and tell me if you feel the same way i feel like i made in a weird way leaps and bounds as a comic during the pandemic because i have taken away all of my crutches like there's i'm very physical and that's like part of what I do and very like verbal vocal. And it made me streamline and focus on what I was saying and how to make what I was saying at the core of it funnier, which is very like, I remember Chris Rock hearing the Chris Rock story about that he would go and perform his set with not an ounce of his personality in it, no affectation. 
just to see if what he was saying worked. Yeah, right. So no, that's, that's huge. What this is all done. right, Aaron. So then we need to start a room or a Zoom room all the time where we can do that for each other because I am worried about that going away. I need yeah. it. Honestly, I, I genuinely am a bit like I will continue to do Zoom shows throughout this because I feel like it's made me a better, stronger, steadier comic. And not being able to rely on a response. You, you, you just like, it's amazing. We're so messed up. We are so messed up. Like we're we so reliant. We just have relied on people telling us like, does it work? Does it not work? And then when you just don't care. We have kept you for so long. So uh, I just want to wrap this up with a question that we ask all of our guests because we are a comedy advice podcast. Yes. What are you wearing? No, sorry. <laughs> Do you have pants? Zara. Zara. <laughs> I love Zara. My God. What is the best piece of advice you have received in your life? Personal, professional, doesn't make a difference. Best piece of in advice. In my life. Yeah. I thought related to comedy. I didn't realize this it was that It could be anything large. you want if it's related to comedy. All right. the theme? Best in my life. Okay. Can I do, I'll do two. Best oh. in my life, best in comedy. Yes. Because they're just both short. Best in my life. It was a sign, actually. I was leaving. Uh, I was not in a good space mentally. And I was uh, arrived in the Vancouver airport. And I was, I left the plane. And I was trying to make it to the arrivals area. And you, it was under construction or something. So you had to go through this really convoluted uh, path. And at one point, I turned to left. And then I was over here. And I hit another way the corridor. And there was a sign with an arrow pointing which way to go. And it just said, please keep moving forward. Oh, I love and that. I was like, got it. Thank you, Vancouver Airport. <laughs> yeah, I really I was like, what do I do? What do I do? I think that's how I felt right then in my life. I was like, what do I do? And everything, and what should I, what does it, and it was just like, oh, just, just keep moving forward. Divine intervention. Forward. Yeah, so that's the best thing of just like, uh, you know, matter of fact, I'm about to interview Yo-Yo Ma. What? Oh, my God. And he talks about his father telling him to, like, the you know, he was, like, learning these huge pieces, Bach pieces, preludes when he was a child, and they were just so overwhelming, and that his father told him, you know, the, the whole, like, just do a tiny amount of work on it every day. Just a tiny amount. And the only way to unlock greatness is to do a tiny amount every day. Oh, my God. I just got chills. I know. That was the best <laughs> piece of advice that anybody, every interview that we have had on this podcast has been crap compared to that piece of wisdom. I literally, that is a beautiful piece of advice i'm gonna go yeah. do some bach right now <laughs> <laughs> that's right you've got, you've got a piano right back. i don't know how to play it it's all decoration it's just edible <clears throat> <laughs> it's chocolate <laughs> it's delicious dark Amazing. chocolate just don't look at it in the summertime he keeps gnawing 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 away at it you know like a solid bunny well, Ophira, you have been a beautiful guest. I thank you so much for coming thank on the you. pod. Tell the thank good people of our, of our Dear Pod listeners where they can find you online. Well, the only place... So here's what I'd like to say. If you would like to... I'm at Ophira on Venmo. Yes. Send me some cash and I'll give you the rest of the information. Oh! oh. That's genius! <laughs> I love 
love it. It's like holding people hostage. Where can we find this girl? No, I'm not that capital cap, that capitalist freak. Uh, but please send me some cash, a dollar. Anyways, um, hard times for all of us. Uh, send these people back. Send your. You know what? Screw me. Send you guys. Oh, cash. I love that even more. Do you, Patreon. Do you have a? Do you have a uh, do you have a, a Venmo for the podcast? Oh, we have patreon.com slash dear Paul. Good, right. Excellent. That's Perfect. correct. Perfect. Even better be a patron. Uh, all the rest of the places you can find me at Ophira E. And then, yeah, they should they should give my money to your Patreon. I am I am supporting of all of this. Believe <laughs> oh, yeah. me. And OphiraEisenberg.com for all of your upcoming dates because now that clubs are open again, baby. I know I should probably put them in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I haven't updated that thing in over a year. And I was like, you'll find me if you want to see me. Now I'm just yeah, you'll crying. find out. <laughs> Thank you so much, lovey. Thank you. Thank you. But I like it here. I do. I like it here. I don't want to move back. I'm from a small town. I went back there recently. They have an interesting relationship with America, especially New York. Because I saw someone I knew from high school, and he goes, uh, where do you live now? And I was like, New York City. And he goes, oh, oh. So what, you think you're so much better than us? Because you moved? And I was like, no, my God, no. I always thought I was better than you. Always. Yeah. That's why I moved. <laughs> but Americans all of a sudden are interested in Canada. Have you found that, Canadians? Yeah. All of a sudden, you guys are interested. We're your plan B. You're all of a sudden asking questions. I feel like Canada's slogan should be Canada. Oh, now you're interested. Uh, and I can tell some of you are panicking because you're asking me weird questions. You're serious about it. You're like, how cold is it up there, really? Uh, just curious. How hard is the metric system? Dude, you're fine, metric system. Easy. You all know what 20 milligrams is. Yeah. It's like four edibles. You're halfway there. All right. We have one more way to celebrate Commedia. Commedia dell'arte. It's time for... Specialty cocktail, specialty drink. That's some more. What's in that cup? I when the have drink no idea. hits your mouth and you're Let going down south, that's some more. Around and throw it down my throat and put so it to the ground. So wheels up, you guys. Wheels up. Um, we're going to be touching down in Buffalo in about two hours. But before we do, we're going to have a little cocktail for you. It's a specialty cocktail. We're going to roll it on out in honor of this comedy theme this week. The cocktail is. Absolutely bananas. A priest, a rabbi, and James Jules Ferris walk into a bar. For this, get ready, you need one and a half ounces of vodka. Everybody's got that. Mm-hmm. A half ounce of banana liqueur. Love it. Everybody's got that. One and a half ounces of pineapple juice. Go find it. Go squeeze a pineapple. Shake well with ice and strain into a Martini glass. Ooh. Here's Jules's tasting notes. I like my drinks like I like my comedians. Absolutely irreverent and in touch with the absurdities of society, all while poking fun at themselves and the world around them in a tight five-minute spot in front of a microphone at an overheated club in Greenwich Village. I also like it when they use props! Created by David Thompson of the Capitol Hotel in London, this recipe won him first prize in the London Absolute Vodka Cocktail Contest in 1996. 
Also, I chose this cocktail because it sounded funny. With the addition of the banana liqueur and the pineapple juice, this drink definitely has a fruity tiki feel to it. Go ahead and substitute rum for the vodka, and you are smack dab in the middle of the Maha'a Tiki Lounge heaven. In the meantime, a guy walks into a bar with a duck on his head. The bartender says, can I help you? And the guy says, can I get changed for a 20? Wait. That's not... Give me a second. Oh, it's a woman who walks into a... Oh, no. Ah, crap! I suck at this. And those were the tasting notes. I read all the ellipses and everything because I am good with grammar. Andy Grammar. Hey, cheers me, cheers me. Give it a little tink. I went in hard. That could have cracked the glass. Ooh. It smells so delicious. Oh. I love well, these, faux banana. These um, things were made for sniffing. I'm not a big faux banana fan, and I'll tell you why. I'm okay with not knowing. Mm. I'm telling you anyway. Ooh. Ooh. This does something to chill. It's, you seem to be enjoying yourself over there with this cocktail. Oh, I fucking love a hot banana. Mm. Let it slide down your throat. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, right. it's interesting. This is, uh, it's very tiki. It's very summer, which is right on the edge of summer now. I like that I'm two days into spring and I'm like, summer's here. So everybody take your <laughs> pants off. <laughs> Jesus. But Where's the, your tube top? It's 100 degrees outside, Mom. I'm always a little bit uh, PTSD about a fake banana taste because I had uh, I had pneumonia when I was a kid, and I had some sort of liquid antibiotic that I was supposed to be taking. I don't know why. Wh- whether it's you going to the dentist as a kid and it's like bubblegum flavor, you're traumatized for life with whatever that weird flavor is. They flavored the liquid antibiotic banana. Banana-flavored drugs. So I forever connect banana to pneumonia. Banana, pneumonia. Banana, pneumonia. I think that's a lazy brain. I'm sorry. In my opinion. Yeah, and I accept that. My frontal <laughs> lobe is when I went to the dentist slacked. and I got that bubble gum, I have been nothing but Well, it never tasted like real bubble gum. It did. I don't know what kind of backdoor dentist you went to. Well, he was in an alley. I had grape. I went for a grape flavor always. And it's ruined grape for me. I can't have the jelly. Then you should have known better as a kid. Call me stupid and hit me with the ring hand again. I'd love to. <laughs> but that, that bubblegum flavor as a kid, you, every time, they're like, oh, what kind of wacky flavor do you want? I 30 minutes of fluoride. You remember that? Oh. A fucking thing. Did you have to do a fluoride rinse when you were a kid, or was that just like an East Coast thing? A fluoride rinse? Yes. What? They would bring little Dixie cups into your kindergarten or first grade or whatever. So it would really be like you'd have a fluoride break. And they would give you these cups and you would have to swoosh and swirl, which was my nightmare. Because if you tell me I have to hold something in my mouth, <laughs> this one's on me. We didn't. And it makes me think that something's wrong with your school. And it's East Coast because you had it too. Jules had it, and look at how wonderful his teeth are. You just made him agree with you. Well, naturally, he looked away, as he should. He didn't make eye contact with me, and I've trained him very well to do that. Yeah, he can eat corn cob through a picket fence, but his teeth are pearly white. You keep going back to this drink, though, don't you? I do. And so do I. Banana pneumonia. It's summer. Everybody enjoy your banana pneumonia drink. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Thank you.
name is John Dacre. Lord is risen today, hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say, hallelujah. To your voice in triumph's So fine that's a Samori. Bells will ring, tingling, ling, tingling, ling, as a bell in Moray. Back in old Napoli, that's a more.